Two arms, two legs. I think I've got everything. Okay, it's 20 minutes to 12. You want me to stop now? (laughs) Got to wait for the screen. You have no idea what I had to go through to be able to get this baptism, the heating element of the heater of the baptismal tank went out yesterday. So we had to add a little bit of the hot water at a time from the water heater upstairs. And it was nice and warm. Made it through. The problem was that when I went up to check the water heater upstairs, it was leaking. So I had to repair the water heater. No, I'm not going to do that for a living. The devil will do anything he can to try to disrupt. And he'll do it here. For those of you that are visiting, we started last week to take a look at the shaking. Um, We know that before Jesus comes, there's going to be a time when a vast number of people are going to be shaken out of the church. Not because Jesus doesn't want them in the church. They're not ready. In fact, the Spirit of Prophecy says that within the church, she had to to stop and put down her pen and to pray Because within the church, she said, only one in 20 would be ready for the second coming of Jesus. That's not very good odds. So we started to take a look at that last week. And we want to look at another important part because we want to be ready when Jesus comes. We don't want to be shaken out. I don't want any church member here shaken out. So what we want to look at today is in Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave command to call the magicians, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and they stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. We remember this. We've studied this before. The king wanted answers. And so who did he call? His trusted cabinet, which consisted not only of the educated men, but also the religious leaders of the area. And it was just a simple request. All I ask of you, if you really support me, Just tell me what the dream is in the interpretation. They had no clue what God was trying to tell the king. No clue whatsoever. Because they were not in tune with God. The problem is, is this world today is rapidly getting out of tune with God. People are looking to other people for answers. Answers to spiritual questions that you can only find the answers from the Bible. 
So we continue on in Daniel 2, verses 12 and 13. For this reason the king was angry and very furious and gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Daniel and his companions had no idea about the decree. It was a surprise to them. But with all the commotion that was going on, they found out very quickly there's a death decree and our head is on the line. What do you do in a situation like that, especially when you're Daniel and you're such a young man? This is not an old man. Daniel is a young person. And, and he was taken captive. And he was brought, separated from his family. What do you do in a situation like that? This also reminds me of another death decree that's going to take place in Revelation 13, verse 15. It says, He, that's the beast, was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. It's going to happen again. We know that. Again, we have the threat of death just before Jesus comes. Now, Daniel didn't back down because of the threat of death. He was a young man. He should have backed off and says, you know, that's their business. I don't know what's going on and I don't really care. But he didn't. The first thing he did, the first thing that we should do as well too, is drop to our knees to the Lord in prayer. We don't want to be shaken out. We want to stand for truth. And so he went to the only one who has the truth, and that's God. Daniel boldly proclaimed God's prophecy to the king. He proclaimed God's truth, and it's that truth that saved his life and the life of others. It's the same truth that's going to save our lives as well, too. I have to trust in a God who knows not only the past, but the present and the future as well, too. John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want to know how to be kept in the church and not shaken out, you've got to go to the person who knows the way, and that's Jesus. If you want to know what's truth, and to understand what truth is, you go to Jesus, because he is truth. And if you want life, you can't earn it on your own, you've got to go to the source of life, which is Jesus. No one can go to the Father except through Christ. God's remnant church will one day boldly face the opposition of the world. We will proclaim truth, absolute truth. The world today doesn't want to hear about absolute truth. They will argue with you and say, there is no absolute truth. Anything is true in your situation. It might be different than my situation, but you have to interpret it the way you go through. I tell you what, the Bible is truth because Jesus said, not only is he the way, but he is the truth. So we need to proclaim the absolute truth that is found in the words of the Bible like Daniel did, and we will live by faith in God. But look at Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. 
For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. You know what this tells me? I can't interpret the Bible my way. It has to be God's way. We're not to add our own interpretation to the scriptures. I have often had even church members that says, that's your interpretation, it's not mine. No, we've got to go and see what God's interpretation is. We're not to ignore the clear teachings that are found in the Bible. If God says don't do it, we're not supposed to do it. We sometimes think that I don't have to do it because it's inconvenient to my lifestyle. I tell you what, it might be inconvenient for a time, but God's absolute truth has got to be proclaimed, it's got to be lived, or we'll be shaken out of the church. Those who will withstand the shaking that will come to God's last day church will uphold and proclaim prophetic messages from God's chosen prophets, including Ellen White. There's a movement today in our denomination to chuck Ellen White out of all churches, out of all sermons, to remove the books out of libraries. That cannot happen. We need to rely by faith in the Holy Spirit to reveal the true interpretation of the Bible and then to follow it. Those who will be shaken out of the church will say, we don't have a special message in this denomination. We are all the same. All Christian churches are the same. We are to be like the other Christian churches. We want to attract new members to come to our church. So we need to be and to go out like these mega churches and attract these people to come in. The mega churches do not want to proclaim any truth within their churches. They just want to make things nice. The emphasis is on being saved, they said. Saved by grace. We are to be evangelical and nothing else. If you do that, you've got to get rid of the commandments. You do that, you've got to get rid of Ellen White. You've got to get rid of the investigative judgment. You've got to get rid of the sanctuary service. Eventually, you've got to get rid of the Sabbath. The book of Revelation tells us that the last day church will have a special message. Look what it says, Revelation 10, verses 1 and 2. And I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, his feet like the pillars of fire, and he had a little book open in his hand. Remember, I want you to notice something These words that were spoken were words from Jesus and revealed to John. This is not John's interpretation. This is the words of Jesus. Revelation 10, verses 8 through 10. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. And it will be, it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey. 
sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. If you want to do something sometime, go to Ezekiel chapter 2. If you're not doing anything this afternoon, you'll almost see the same thing that took place with Ezekiel, where God told him to take the words and to eat it. And he ate the words, and it was sweet. What is this little book? It's nothing else but the book of Daniel. And how do I know that? Because it says in Daniel 12 and verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book for how long? Until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Some people try to interpret that and says, well, that's when people are all stressed out and running from city to city and they haven't been on the 91 trying to drive. That's not what it's saying. I'll tell you in just a minute. Daniel 12, verse 9. And he said, and go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. So Revelation 10 says it's a little book, and this little book is to be opened at the end of time. Daniel 12 says this is the book. This book of Daniel is to be sealed until the end of time, and it will be opened, and then the knowledge of the end time prophecies will increase. That's what it's talking about. And all of a sudden, something started taking place in the world. A man by the name of William Miller discovered a very sweet message in Daniel 8. Well, it wasn't just a short study. He studied Daniel 8 for years. He looked and he searched. He cross-referenced. He did all kinds of things to be able to see. And in his study, even though he wasn't quite right, he thought that Jesus was to come sometime around 1843 or 1844. He just knew that that was right. William Miller was not the only one that came to that same conclusion, by the way. Others around the world began to proclaim the same message from their studies, and it started a sweet religious revival in the world as people anticipated the soon second coming of Christ. We know what happened. We call it the Great Disappointment, October the 22nd, 1844. We were wrong. October the 22nd was not the Great Disappointment. It was the Great Anticipation of the Second Coming of Jesus. October the 23rd was a disappointment because Jesus didn't come. And that was very bitter. They were humiliated. I mean, we're not talking just... A few people, we're talking about thousands of people who were ready, who watched the skies, who looked towards the east. This is Ascension Rock in New York. It's right between William Miller's church and his farmhouse. And there's trees all around the place. If you've been to Ascension Rock, you, you'll know that that's the only place that you could actually look out towards the east and be able to see the sky. So they stood on this rock because they didn't want to miss Jesus coming from the east. I've stood on Ascension Rock. It's kind of awesome to realize that these people stood there and they just knew that Jesus was going to come. But he didn't. 
The great disappointment made way for the fulfillment of the rest of the prophecy in Revelation chapter 10. You say, what prophecy? The very next verse, Revelation 10 verse 11 says, And he said to me, You must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. It says right there that something was going to happen again. And it had to do with prophecy. But that's hard to understand because after the great disappointment, many people were so discouraged, they were so distraught that they even totally dropped out of the church. Kind of a shaking, wasn't it? They dropped out of the church. Who is it that's going to do this prophesying again? A lot of them says, it's not going to be me. And after the great disappointment, a new prophetic movement will take place with a prophetic message. Because of the bitterness and humiliations, many rejected the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, but there were a handful of people that said, you know, I can't accept that. We were so right, there has to be something that we've missed. And so they began to study. There's a man by the name of O.R.L. Crozier. And he began to study Daniel. He wanted to find the answers. And as he studied, he looked at Daniel's cleansing of the sanctuary and he says, no, wait a minute, that isn't here on earth. That cleansing is the sanctuary in heaven, according to the Bible and the book of Hebrews. He also discovered that the cleansing was not by fire, because William Miller thought the cleansing of the sanctuary was when the fire was going to come down, going to destroy the earth and everything else. Now, when he opened up the Bible, he discovered, especially in Hebrews, that the cleansing was not by fire, but by the blood of Jesus. In his studies, he also discovered a two-phase ministry of Jesus. That when Jesus went into the heavenly sanctuary, he ministered first in the holy place, and then he moved through the veil into the most holy place. That was phenomenal. But it wasn't just him. There was a man by the name of G.W. Peavy. And a woman by the name of Emily Clemens. Peavy said that Jesus entered the most holy place at that time. Emily Clemens says, she wrote an article, she says, This event of Jesus moving into the most holy place is the only hope we have within the veil. But there's another man that studied Joseph Bates, he was called Grandpa because he was the older of all those that studied. By the way, most of the people who began studying the Bible at that particular time were young people. Joseph Bates, old Grandpa Bates, says, as he studied the Bible, he says, you know, God's commandments will be an issue at the end of time. It wasn't an issue on October the 22nd, but it will be an issue. Now, he hadn't discovered the Sabbath yet. This is just his preliminary. Then he says that God's church would be known as a commandment-keeping people. And he continued on by saying that the last day message called the three angels' message would be what would be proclaimed. 
This is the new prophecy that is to be continued along with Daniel chapter 8. And then after a while, he discovered the Sabbath and he couldn't shut up. He had to tell everybody about the Sabbath. See, if we're going to be commandment-keeping people, he said, then we have to keep all of them, including the Sabbath. His message and all the others' message was rejected by the mainline religions. We don't want to have anything to do with this. So what are we going to do? Here are these people who were members of church. Some of them were cast out of their church when it came to October the 22nd, 1843. They were cast out beforehand. So what are we going to do with this message? It, it, it looks like this is what needs to be preached. They discovered there were a lot of people who still wanted to hear the truth. And so they began, this small group began to preach the truth. The bittersweet prophecy became popular again. But it was more than just the second coming of Jesus. It was looking at the sanctuary. It's looking at the commandments. It's looking at the three angels' message. It's looking at everything that you and I stand for today. This new group also began to link... Daniel's prophecies with Revelation, they began to see that they fit hand in hand. But they also discovered something else. What else fits in well with this is the Reformation teachings, like that of Martin Luther. The things that they knew back then, that the papacy is the beast in the book of Revelation, that Babylon, when it talks about Babylon, was the the message that was part biblical, part pagan, and part traditional. The great controversy theme, they began to discover that. By the way, the great controversy theme developed, and and it's a battle between Christ and Satan, but the controversy theology did not start with Ellen White yet. Don't throw rocks at me. Do you know who it started with first? Joseph Bates at the beginning of 1847. Ellen White had a vision later in 1858 where that theme was expanded on, and she wrote that. We should be grateful for the heritage of our fathers who started the Seventh-day Adventist Church. They are carrying on that prophesying again, and we are to do the same. We should be grateful for the heritage, not only it is the only denomination that fits the description of Revelation chapter 10. The Seventh-day Adventist church embraces the prophecy of Daniel in Revelation. It's the only denomination that reveals the beast of Revelation, who dares to even stand up and to talk about it. It's the only one that proclaims the three angels' message. It is the one that fits the description of Revelation chapter 14. Here are those who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. But there's a movement today in our denomination that says, let's just keep the faith of Jesus and let's not worry about the commandments. I'm proud to be a Seventh-day Adventist. We are a chosen people. Chosen by God. We're not here by accident. We have a prophetic mission and God expects us to carry out that prophetic mission. 
We are not just another denomination, so we cannot be like other denominations. We are to be different. Seventh-day Adventist proclaims the 2300-day time prophecy. It uplifts the investigative judgment. It's the one that says that the, the judgment has already begun. God wants us to be a peculiar people among all the other denominations. We have to be bold like Daniel and stand up for God's absolute truth and not add or subtract anything from it whatsoever. If we do, we'll be shaken out. If we become like the other religions, Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. So now's the time that we should dare to be a Daniel in the 21st century. We are different. We have a mission and we are expected by God to fulfill that mission. So this morning is a time for decision. Are we going to be different from the rest of the world? Are we? Are we willing to stand for biblical truth? Are we going to uplift the writings of Ellen White? Well, I'm glad you said that. Are we going to keep the Sabbath as the Bible instructs us to keep the Sabbath? Not what's convenient for me or my interpretation. Are we going to become zealous with our peculiar message? It means we can't sit in a pew. Are we willing to live and proclaim the everlasting gospel even when the death decree is waved over our heads? If you're willing to take a stand Please stand and sing hymn number 578, So Send I You.